Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for your grace and mercy in our lives. We thank you for our brothers and sisters leading us to the throne of grace. We say Adonai, we say Elyon, Yahweh, Lord Jesus Christ, our Father in heaven. We thank you for your wonderful names. We thank you for the description of who you are in your glory and majesty. We thank you, Lord, that your names describe what you do for us and how you can change the lives of people who will come to you and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. How we thank you for this midweek that we have together. We pray for all of our teachers who teach tonight God's Word all across this place, our students as they meet and our boys and girls as they learn more about God's Word. And we thank you for this church and for the ministry it has here. And we pray that you might be pleased with what we do. We plead the cause of the foster children in our own county and in the state of Tennessee and for the helpless children around the world. They're in your hands. You are the father to the fatherless. And we pray for your mercy and your grace and your justice to be on their behalf. We pray for the, we pray for the DCS workers who serve faithfully in this state, who don't have enough time or resources and are overwhelmed. We don't know them by names. We pray for them. We pray for their work. And we pray that you might help them as they care for these children that are put into their custody. So Lord, tonight it is good for us to be together and we always have the joy of coming around your word. What a, what a privilege it is. How we learn so many things about how to deal with our grief and our suffering from this holy man, Jeremiah. So help us tonight again as we think about these truths. May they have a great impact on our own life and the way we live so that we might truly suffer for the glory of God in all that we go through in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good evening. Good to see all of you again tonight. If you didn't pick up the outline, I hope you will. We're in Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3 is where we're, we're, we're at tonight before we read tonight. So let me go through again some things that's, that establish why uh, as your pastor, I've, and those of you joining us online, may the Lord bless you. I don't ever want to neglect to say that to you. I know many of you cannot be here. God bless you. And thank you for our men uh, who make this possible for us to do this. So wherever you hear, hear my voice and you have the opportunity to be with us, may the Lord bless you. We, let us know if we can do things for you. So here's, here's what I want to go back and remind us of. So the lamentations of Jeremiah. What is this that's so important? Well, the, the, the fact is that all of us in this room suffer. We will suffer in various seasons of time. We we will suffer. Suffering is, uh, the Lord Jesus said to us, in this world you will have tribulation, you'll have troubles. So uh, in in my serving as a pastor all these years, I I think that this is one of the things that I've wanted to really spend some time on, and this is my first chance to really do this in this detail. So for all of us who are God's people, what do we learn about suffering? How do we deal with suffering? Sometimes suffering comes in short periods of time and it seems like there's a relief and sometimes the suffering we have is lifelong. So as Christians, we suffer, and I've used this phrase of holy suffering is versus unholy suffering. 
You see, there are many people who are suffering in the world. They don't know what to do. They're not followers of Jesus. They don't know what to do with their suffering. So they're angry. They're bitter. They're, they're critical. They're hateful. They hate God. They're in rebellion against God. They blame God for all that's going on in their lives. There is no faith in God, trust in God. So there's a whole path for those who are sinners in their suffering. I'm not talking about that. I'm I'm bringing us to the Lamentations because, again, as I have reminded you repeatedly, the book begins, the Lamentations, plural, of Jeremiah, which reminds us, this is my point, I'm trying to correct bad teaching. Christians suffer and Christians grieve. And Christians grieve, and the way we grieve is extremely important. We learn it for ourselves from studying the Word of God, but we also learn this so we might help our friends and walk with them as they're in our family, as they're in sufferings. So there is a pattern here. I'm, I'm, I don't have this in your notes, but I want to, again, bring you why I'm using the words I'm using and talking about this. You see, our suffering leads us to what I would call Holy grief. H-O-L-Y. Holy grief. We're grieved by our suffering. Sometimes it deadens us. It stuns us. It shocks us. We go through all the emotions of grief. There's an entire, it's like a cycle of grief. It's, as I've described to our people, grief, it's like waves that roll in and out. So you're stunned by it. Then it rolls away and you're numb. And then it comes back and you have all kinds of emotions. Grief. Grief then starts to express itself in what I'm using, these very odd words that are not very familiar, but I'm using them on purpose. Grief, suffering, the Christian who suffers their grief, it produces a holy lament. They begin to lament. What bad teaching has said in the past, even in the church, is, well, you don't want to talk about your grief. You don't want to talk about your pain. You don't want to talk. You want to just ignore it and it'll go away. And in time, this too will pass. Well, the, the reality is that Jeremiah teaches us, the Word of God gives us this enormously beautiful, uh, though very powerfully emotionally uh, emotional book, Lamentations, to show us that when we suffer and grief rises, we must, as God's people, practice holy lament. And I've been through the stages of that last week. I reviewed them. I'm not going to do that again. But then our holy lament leads us through a process that we're now beginning to see crystallize in this latter part of this section in Lamentations 3. The process of holy lament, listen to me, produces in us hope in God, understanding of God's ways in suffering and what, and also a knowledge of God's purposes in our suffering. So these are enormously important things. And the church has talked about these things since the very beginning of the Lord Jesus being here, trying to understand uh, suffering uh, as it is um, throughout the Word of God. Just to remind you of just how astounding this is, this matter of suffering, it is in one of our, it is in, uh, you know, throughout the Word of God, you have these examples of 
of uh, how uh, suffering is seen and yet the love of God is attached to it. Uh, I read these ironic words. Now, I'm not in lamentation. He said, this is my introduction, but listen to me. Here's the irony of it. God loves us in our suffering, and He does not always, like we want, remove our suffering. So Paul would say, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? The question the question is the answer. I'm going to say that again in a moment. Will tribulation, distress, famine, or sword? And then of all places, for your sake, we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. God loves His people so much that He permits them to be persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of God. So there is much to this that we don't want to dismiss with silly, simple, little pat answers that seem to be these philosophies of, of uh, well, it, it's going to be all right. Yes, hope in God is always good, but we hope in God much of our life while suffering remains. And so this is what I've been trying to attempt to say to you all, and I love you in the Lord. So tonight we read, we'll pick up and read again what we read last week and read through verse number 40. We'll begin at verse 31. Now, notice the process is happening. The process of holy lament is now leading to understanding of God's ways in suffering. What He does, how He does it. He says, For the Lord... Adonai will not reject forever. We learn two new names for God from Jeremiah here. Not only Yahweh, but, but Lord, Adonai. Thank you, Shauna. That was wonderful. Adonai. For Adonai will not reject forever. For he, if he causes grief, then he will have compassion according to his abundant loving kindness. For he does not afflict willingly. Or grieve the sons of men. I mentioned to you the Hebrew phrase in verse 33, for he does not afflict from the heart with an intention to be cruel. I'll review that in a moment. To crush under his feet all the prisoners of the land to deprive a man of justice in the presence of Elion Most High. To defraud a man in his lawsuit or these thing, of these things the Lord, that is Adonai, does not approve. Now, who is there who speaks and it comes to pass unless the Lord has commanded it? Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both good and ill go forth? Why should any living mortal or any man offer complaint in view of his sins? Let us examine and probe our ways and let us return to the Lord. Heavenly Father, now bless the reading of your word, and may the Holy Spirit be our teacher tonight in these such wonderful truths. In Jesus' name, amen. So the focal truth is this. Now, I'm again, talking about the process. We've been reading this process of holy lament, beginning back up in chapter 3, verse 19. Verse 18 says, my strength has perished, and my hope from the Lord is gone. But then there comes this self reflection, 
Remember my... He starts talking to himself. Self-talk. Remember my affliction, my wandering. We read all the way through. My soul remembers. I recall it and I have hope. Verse 22, the Lord's loving kindness never ceases. 22, His compassions never fail. 22, they are new every morning. 23, great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. This is, this is the process of holy lament that leads to hopefulness and to faith in God and to knowledge of God's ways and understanding. It's starting to... It's starting to happen to Jeremiah. Then he says it is good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. The Lord is good to those. Who's he good to? Well, he's good to all in general goodness, but he's good to those who wait for him and to the person who seeks him. We know, <clears throat> we know these truths in their best illustration around our, our commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. And being saved as Christians. It is good that he waits silently. It's good that he should bear the yoke. His suffering is like a yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone and be silent since God put it on him. Let his mouth be in the dust. Let him give his cheek to the smiter. The smiter is the suffering. Let him be filled with reproach. For the Lord will not reject. Now he see, there's a transition. Now all of a sudden he's drawing conclusions. The process of grieving, this process of godly sorrow, holy lament is leading through this grieving and the process is leading to knowledge of God, understanding of God's ways and what He does and permits in suffering and ultimately hopefulness in God. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It must be read carefully, slowly. And I encourage you to read your Bible carefully. But now we come to this holy lament leads the sufferer back to God with holy questions and holy answers. Did you see? Verse 37 is a question. Who is there who speaks and it comes to pass unless the Lord has commanded it? 38 is a question. Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both good and ill go forth? You have a question. Then you have a third question, 39. Why should any living mortal or any man offer complaint in view of his sins? Three questions. Three questions. You see, holy lament, as I've put here in your uh, notes, there's, a, there's an art. There is a, holy lament practices the art of asking holy questions that provide holy answers. In fact, I would say it this way. The holy question is the answer. We know the answer. Who is there who speaks and it comes to pass unless the Lord has commanded it? Answer, no one. The question is the answer. The question is the answer. But you see, this is the process I'm working through in my sorrow and in my grief. As I have holy lament, it moves me, pushes me, come, it leads me back to God, not away from Him. The, suffer, the sinful sufferer hates God and is repulsed by God and angered with God and moves farther away from God. But those who know the Lord, who can separate us from the love of Christ and we're being led every day as sheep to the slaughter. What a contrast. What a contrast. So let's go to this. These three questions for a moment. Oh, the repetition. So 
review. I just gave it to you again. Holy lament understands God's purpose in suffering. What did we see? God does not permanently reject his children in their suffering. There are a lot of people who would say, I'm, I have this terrible thing that's happened in my life. Now God separated himself from me. Oh, now we must be careful not to say that. The Lord didn't leave you in your suffering. He's with you in your suffering. The, uh, the Lord God lovingly grieves his children in their suffering. That is Adonai. He lovingly grieves his children in their suffering. There are reasons for that. We talked about them last week. The Lord God does not afflict his children cruelly, but purposefully. He does not do this from the heart, that is, with an evil intention. There is no evil in God. And then the Most High, the Most High, El Yon, does not approve of cruelty and injustice between people. And then we come to this first. In the process of grieving, now there's more, uh, more uh, light is coming, more hopefulness is coming around knowing God's purposes. It's, it's through the question. The question gives knowledge. Who is there who speaks and it comes to pass unless the Lord has commanded it? I've given you the New Living Translation, which is a very good paraphrase. Bible, not a, you know, not a full translation, but it's very good. Who can command things to happen without the Lord's permission? Answer, no one. So the believer in suffering lives by faith on the purposes of God. You see, it is the purposes of God that we must understand, my friends. There is a purpose in my suffering. There is a purpose in my suffering. So I, I, you know, I don't want to repeat it often. To I'm not repeating it so that you um, have pity on me. So again, and you're all very kind. You asked me, so how am I doing with all of what I go through and uh, with uh, this uh, cancer matter? Uh, well, uh, you know, God has His purposes for me. What you really should pray is because I have to go tomorrow and talk to the doctor that I would be a good boy and obey my... Do, do, Pat will be with me, so I'll probably do all right. But you see, God has His purposes in my own sufferings, just like He has them in yours, if you're a child of God. See, th this is the way we approach suffering that the world never understands in God's people. It stops the hand-wringing. When I find our people hand-wringing in their suffering, it is that they've perhaps not had proper teaching and information on why it is the purposes of God in suffering. The purposes of God in the suffering of God's people in the world globally. So we use this question, who is there who speaks? And it comes to pass, it's a, it's a picture of prophecy. Unless the Lord has commanded it. Jeremiah knew about that. Jeremiah preached for 52 chapters. Our dear women are studying through Jeremiah. I hope they bring their sack lunch. It's going to be a while. Preaching and preaching and preaching. And how many times have we lifted out these passages from Jeremiah? He preached... And it came to pass. You see, only God pur God's purposes are accomplished through His Word. And <clears throat> the one who commands things to happen, 
They happen because of the Lord's permission. The point is God's purposes. So let's think about God's purposes for a moment. I've given you some examples. Jeremiah 23, 20. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until... Now this is preaching. Uh, early in the book of Jeremiah to a rebellious Israel and Judah was coming right along behind them. Remember, divided kingdom. I'm counting on some of you to have your Bible knowledge. You know, Israel, long way from God early on after Solomon and the dividing of the kingdom. Judah coming along right after them in sin. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until He has performed and carried out. Notice the purposes, and I love the way Jeremiah describes it, of His heart. You know what the will of God is? It is the purposes of God's heart. That is, it is out of the purposes of God, the depths of God. How did Paul say it in Corinthians? Who can know the mind of God? Who can know the mind of God, His purposes, His ways? His, oh, the Holy Spirit knows. The Holy Spirit knows the deep things of God. And guess what? You are possessed by the Holy Spirit of God so that you might know and understand to some degree as we can as human beings the purposes of God. In Psalm 33, 8-11, I've given you this and then I've broken it out with some pieces to it to show you this thing. Holy lament knows God's purposes control all the actions of the nations. And that includes all the people on the planet. Saved and lost alike. God's purposes will be accomplished in the world. We will learn it soon, Lord willing. Your will be done. Your will be done. Your purposes be done on earth as they have been in heaven. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. For He spoke and it was done. Notice now the question, who is there who speaks and it comes to pass? God. Answer, God. For He spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The Lord nullifies the counsel of the nations. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. Babylon did not come in and destroy Jerusalem until the time given by God's purpose is the exact time. He says, He nullifies the counsel of the nations. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans, again, of His heart, what wonderful words, from generation to generation. Look at it. God speaks and it is the, this is the purposes of God. I'm tying this to show you. In suf suffering is not just a random thing. You see, the world is based on ideas that everything is random. You're an accident and I'm an accident. We just somehow came from cosmic mush and soup and we did just it's all here it just happened there's it's, it's all accidental we know that's not true we know that's a lie god speaks and it is done god commands and it stands god nullifies and frustrates the plans of man guess what they don't happen god's will stands forever god's listen the scribes and the pharisees were trying to kill the lord jesus for a long time, but they did not do it, as Peter said, until the predetermined purpose of God came about 
at the right day, on the right time. What was it? The Lord's, the Lord is there going up the hill on Palm Sunday. And even the Gentiles are now finding the disciples. We would see Jesus. And at that moment, the Lord says, now is the Son of Man glorified. And there began that horrible week that led to the cross. When God's plan and purposes are set in time, His prophecy and His purposes, when He has spoken, it will happen when it is to happen. God's purposes are from generation to generation. Your children will see the purposes of God until Jesus comes again. Your grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and we will all see them also. So tonight... As I come to my suffering, you see, who, who is there who speaks and it comes to pass unless the Lord has commanded it? You see, in my holy lamenting, as I am, as I am working through my grief in my suffering, I remember God's purposes in my suffering are a part of God's plan for what He wants to do in the world. I love this old story. The shepherd boy, the young shepherd was uh, out and he was watching the sheep and the travelers coming by and it was misty, rainy, it was in the morning. And the traveler said, well, uh, I, I wonder what kind of a day it's going to be. And the shepherd just quickly said, whatever kind of day I want it to be. And the traveler was shocked. What, what, what do you mean? He said, well, God is in control of everything. And whatever kind of day God wants us to have is the kind of day I want to have. So as he said it, whatever pleases God pleases me. That's what faith says in suffering. Are you able to say that in your suffering? Whatever it is, whatever pleases God, pleases me. That is the way Christians suffer, understanding that it's a part of the glorious, mysterious purposes of God. We read Romans 8, 28. We know it, but again, the last phrase. We know that God causes all things to work together for good, to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. And what is to be called according to His purpose? To be born again and to be saved. If the Lord Jesus saves us and then we suffer, like sheep being led to the slaughter, the love of Christ is with us, though we're led as sheep to the slaughter. Praise God. If it is whatever pleases God, pleases me. The little shepherd boy said. That's faith. Ephesians 1.11, we have obtained an inheritance, believers, in this room, hearing my voice, having been predestined according to His purpose. This is for us. This was a card, according to His predetermined plan and purposes for us. All the things He's purposed for us in Christ. He's who works all things. Notice, after the counsel of His will. All things going on in your life and mine, in the lives of all the people on this planet, saved and lost, all the nations and all the things, please read it carefully, 
who works all things after the counsel of His will. This is the glory of God's purposes. So as I suffer, I must see and be able to say like the shepherd, whatever God, whatever pleases God, pleases me. Who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His, wait a minute, own purpose. Wait a minute, I've been saved not just so that I can be happy and joyful and run around and <clears throat> tell her, sing songs about how much God's done for me. No, wait a minute, I've been saved according to His own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. I have a purpose as a follower of Jesus. To give glory to God and to carry out the Great Commission. And to go and tell and share and disciple until we're done. This is our purpose. And then, of course, 1 Peter 2, For you have been called for this purpose. Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in His steps. There are always fellow sufferers in the type of suffering you're experiencing. Did you know that? And they're not all saved people. Perhaps the Lord has allowed that suffering to be in your life so that you could be a witness for Christ there. Second, or thirdly, holy lament knows God's purposes bring good and bad into the world. This has been the great struggle for us all. What does God do? What does He permit? Well, He does and He permits good and bad. That's the answer. That's the answer. It is beyond our comprehension. Question number two, is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both good and ill go forth? Please notice in your reading of this now, notice the question first of all was, who is there who speaks? You see, when God speaks, He is speaking His will. When the Word of God speaks, it speaks the will of God. How do I know the purposes of God? I read the Word of God. Now again, is it not from what? The mouth of Elion that both good and ill go forth? Yes. We're looking at this tragedy of judgment. The word of judgment, which is a bad and terrible thing, came, finally fell on Israel. This disaster of the Babylonian captivity, which we cannot comprehend. Pat and I were talking about this afternoon. We, we, we cannot, in the worst of things we've seen and witnessed, in world wars and all that, cannot fathom nor measure the absolute devastation, horror, and badness of the Babylonian captivity of Israel. You must read your Bible to see it in all of its gore. Is, is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both good and ill go forth? This is why we have the fear of God. Does not the Most High send both calamity and good? That's the NLT. So the believer accepts by faith. You see, this is the process. As you're working through holy lament that you come to, the believer accepts by faith good and adversity from God who is the Most High. 
Athanasius was a famous old preacher in the early church. He never could get a break. They, they ex, you know, the, the, these emperors, that's why I thank God we live in America with all of our problems, church and state separate, but there, well, the emperor and all of the, all of the uh, government was tied to the church. Well, when one party in the church got in control, they threw out all the preachers from the other party. And they'd exile them, and they'd do terrible things to them. Athanasius couldn't get a break. He was exiled three times. One day, one of the people said on his third exile, how can you, how can you deal with this? He said, these exiles are these clouds that God has brought in my life. But they have passed. And God's sun was shining while the clouds covered the sun. You see, how did Job say it? The Lord gave. Past tense is how it reads now. Not the Lord give, the Lord gave. Remember what he was responding to, absolute devastation. We all know in this room, this is a knowledgeable group in here. You know the suffering of Job. You know the length the amount of it. You know what all it included, including the death of his children. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This is the statement of faith. This is our act. He goes on when his wife is saying that he should curse God. Notice, okay. What did the devil say? If you do these things to, if you allow these bad things to happen to him, he's going to curse you. And the Lord said, do all you want to him. Notice the word of the Lord said, permission. Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both good and ill come? The, the Lord said, do everything you want to him, but you cannot kill him. So he turned him over to the devil. And his wife was there at the side of the devil. Curse God and die, you old fool. God's done with you. And Job said, Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. I am the Lord. There is no other besides me. There is no God. I will gird you. Though you have not known me, that men may know from the rising to the setting of the sun that there is no one besides me. This is what the Lord is saying to us in our suffering. I am the Lord and there is no other. The one, the one forming light and creating darkness, causing well-being and creating calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. Jeremiah 32, 42, For thus says the Lord, just as I brought all this great disaster on this people, notice, God says, I did this. I brought this judgment, this disaster on these people because of their sinfulness. So I am going to bring on them all the good that I am promising them. Good and bad. The question says... Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both good and ill come forth? Remember what I've said now. The answer is the question. 
The answer is the question. Then, holy lament knows God's purposes, and I should have put here, this is a typo, holy lament knows God's purposes regarding sinfulness. Notice the question, verse 39. Why should any living mortal or any man offer complaint in view of his sins? The question is the answer. Then why should we mere humans complain when we are punished for our sins? That's the NLT. You see, the believer understands that God judges sinfulness. In our suffering as, holy, as believers in Christ, we still have sinfulness. And I find this to be fascinating. You know, we may be suffering uh, from innocently from the causes coming from other places, but in our suffering we can sin. We can begin to speak of God in ways <clears throat> that dishonor Him, taking His name in vain. We can, uh, we can charge Him with things that, we, that are not right. We can treat others poorly uh, because of the way we're suffering. I, I find that some people have used their suffering to be an excuse to cause other people to suffer. To treat them poorly. But what did the Lord teach us all as disciples? Treat others the way you want to be treated. Even when you're suffering, treat others the way you want to be treated. So the believer understands, and so Jeremiah 30, here it is, all your lovers have forgotten you. This is Jeremiah preaching to Israel. All your lovers have forgotten you. This is what you got out of your, this is what you got out of your spiritual harlotry. All your lovers have forgotten you. They do not seek you, for I have wounded you. Notice, this is God now. What did God do? I have wounded you with the wound of an enemy. With the punishment of a cruel one, because your iniquity is great and your sins are numerous. Why do you cry out over your injury? Your pain is incurable, because your iniquity is great and your sins are numerous. I have done these things to you. Judgment for sin. Uh, what did we read in Lamentations 2? <clears throat> in fierce anger he has cut off all the strength of Israel. He has bent his bow like an enemy. He has set his right hand like an adversary. And what do we know? The wages of sin is death. So we've seen the process here tonight of how <clears throat> as, we, as we're lamenting Holy, holy, in holy lamenting in our suffering, we begin to see and learn and reveal and understand things about God's character. We saw His attributes, loving kindness, compassion. Uh, the Lord is my portion. So hopefulness rises. Then there is this uh, self-revealing, self-speaking to ourselves. Then we're processing these things uh, and talking about what we're coming to know and understand about God's purposes in our suffering, and that's where he began, it is good in verse 26, as now as we're following. And beginning next week, we'll begin to see something happen. You see, because these spiritual answers produce self-examination and repentance toward God. You know what we're going to read? We'll, we'll begin to work through it next week. I don't know how far we'll get, but we'll be seeing. Now Jeremiah prays in his suffering. And that'll be for next week. But let's look at this for a moment. What does Paul say? 
Godly sorrow leads to repentance. We sometimes read that and think, well, that, that's what happened when I got saved. No, that's what happens all the time. If you, if you are a, a believer in Christ, you have godly sorrow that connects to your suffering. Godly sorrow always leads us back to God. Repentance is, you know, the word repentance is to come back to God. I'll never pray and draw near to God as we're talking about on Sunday morning if I'm far away from God and I'm, uh, if, if I'm a rebellious child of God living in my sin again, I've gone away from God, well, I must repent. If I've gone into suffering and now I've turned, as I've mentioned to you many times, people would say to me, well, you know, I have so much suffering in my life, Pastor Mike, I can't come to church. And I would say, well, why, why would that be? Why would you not go and be with God's people when you're suffering? I don't pray anymore. I'm so upset with God, I can't understand why He would do this to me. Well, that means you don't really understand God's purposes and suffering are bigger than you. God's purposes are bigger than you. So notice this. Let us examine and probe our ways. And let us return to the Lord. Notice three things. Let us examine our way. I've given you the Hebrew word. It means to search. It's actually a word that's, it means to seek out. It's a, it's a seeking. Both words, both the examination word and probing word. Maybe it's because I'm going to the doctor tomorrow. I hate these words when you think about it from the medical world. It being examined and probed. Okay, am I alone? But it's searching out, it's seeking out. Notice the believer examines his actions. Let us examine. This is our self-examination. So I'm in my suffering, but I must still, I have a responsibility to look out and to look at my soul. What is the condition of my soul? Over and over, you know, we're, we're called to examine ourselves to see if we be in the faith, Paul said to Corinthians. So it's this matter. I'm simply saying this to you, my friend. How much time do you give to self-examination? Now, we're told physically to do self-examination in various ways. But this is extremely important spiritually. Spiritual self-examination is how you maintain a healthy relationship with God. You, but you've got to sit down and examine your motives, your thoughts, your intents. Probe means to examine. That's even more. That's, that's down another level. Probe is just a, is a... I hate that word. But I must probe myself. Spiritually. I must call myself to... Accountability. My, my job is not to call you to accountability. My job is to call myself to accountability. You know, have a talk with myself as I've given you here. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. Remember, uh, why are you discouraged, O my soul? Remember that? 
Why? Ask yourself. But then notice, as a result of examining and probing ourselves, the believer returns to the Lord. What a beautiful thing. Deliver me from all my transgressions. Notice, I have become mute. I do not open my mouth because it is you who have done it. Um, I, I wish I had time to explore this some more, but you know, the Lord said, there is such tenderness in the, in the Lord for His children, even in our sufferings. He grieves with us, though He permits and causes suffering in our life. Jeremiah 31.20 says, this is, now this is God saying to Israel, my heart yearns for Him and I will surely have mercy on Him. That's God's heart. How do we know this? What do, what do we have? The crystal clear words. He Himself is acquainted with our grief. The Lord Jesus suffered like us. He is our high priest. Levi prayed it tonight. Our Lord Jesus sympathizes with our weaknesses. He's one of us. He knows what it feels like. So what do we remember tonight? Well, God's purposes are unstoppable. The Lord Jesus will soon return. It is in the purposes of God for Him to return. And you see, though one generation dies and another comes and the Lord hasn't come for that new generation, listen, it's an imminent thing. It's an imminent thing, generation to generation. Good and adversity come from God's purposes for the world. I like what Luther said. Lord, lay on me whatever you will. Only, only let your everlasting arms be under me. Lay on me whatever you will. Are you willing to say that? Lay on me whatever you will. Because see, if you say that, you understand the purposes of God. Whatever He purposes for you, He will also be with you in it. It comes with the love of God. This is the mystery. Well, sinfulness brings God's judgment in the world. It's all around us today. Holy Lament thinks deeply about God's purposes for their suffering. I was going to quote this in Latin, but I didn't want to scare you tonight, but I translated it for you. It's a great saying. What others make light by long-suffering. That is what they dismiss over, you know, they put it aside. They make light of it. It's not that big of a deal. What others make light of by long-suffering, the wise make light by thinking long. You need to go home and think about that. That's why we ask holy questions. To think deeply about our suffering. Holy questions are the answers to our suffering. Let us examine and probe our ways and let us return to the Lord. To the praise of the glory of His grace. The Lord is near to the door. The purpose of God will be accomplished And I hope you join me in praying every day. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus.
going to be glorious. It's going to be a great day for believers. It's going to be the saddest day on the earth. Come, Lord, we must tell, we must go, we must disciple, we must train. There must be an urgency. Wake up, wake up, O church of God, rise up. We must do our work. And the Lord will help us. God bless you all. Heavenly Father, here we are. Help us to see the process Jeremiah himself, this man of God, is going through to see you and your purposes accomplished in the terrible, horrible calling you gave to him. He preached and never had any converts. He preached and never did a person yield and come to follow God. They all turned away. It was your purpose for him, deep suffering. But he followed and he was faithful. Help us to see that we serve you in our suffering. The cross is the way to the light. The cross is the way to the light. May we learn these things. May we draw strength from this tonight. I pray for all my brothers and sisters here, those listening and those that we know who are in deep suffering. Oh, may they see and learn this way to live and how to grieve in such a way to bring glory and honor to God. And may Your will be done in our lives. Whatever it is that pleases You, we will say we are pleased also. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Great to see you. If you don't know everybody here, say hello to somebody on your way out. Lord willing, see you Sunday. Have a good evening. It's wintertime. Put your coat on. That's what your mother would tell you. Put your coat on. <laughs>